So being on sabbatical for three months, I'll be very honest with you, the first month and a half, two months, I thought was dragging like crazy. I'm like, is this ever going to (laughs) end? When do I get to go back? (laughs) Um, But then it started going going fast. Um, And there was a lot of things during that time that I was able to reflect on, to pray on. There were a lot of things just in planning, uh, moving forward. I, I had a lot of excitement about being able to come back. I've been looking so forward to this morning, probably more than more so than anything else coming back was just my reunion with my church family. Because let me tell you what, there's something special. I was so blessed to be able to worship with brothers and sisters of, um, we'll call them different tribes, different denominations, checked out a lot of different churches. But there's just something about church family, relationships you have. We had a volunteer party last Saturday for the uh, pantry guests or volunteers. And a bunch of them came out. And just seeing some of you guys that were there you know, I was just so encouraged, like, oh, church family, <laughs> you know, there's just something about that reunion um, that I've been very much looking forward to, you know, just the corporate worship, but the truth is, guys, there's a reunion that is so much better than even anticipating this time together, and that's that reunion with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I don't know how many of us truly live in that reality and that truth in light of what the scriptures teach us. So, Pastor Landon's back. What is it going to teach on the first Sunday back? We're going to hit on the rapture. Why? Because it is the believer's blessed, happy hope. No matter what's going on in life, no matter how down you may be right now in life, no matter what trials or struggles you might be facing, There's one thing that makes the believer happy, and it's, hey, Jesus Christ could come back at any time. That trump could sound. That voice of the archangel, he could call us, come up here at any moment. Wouldn't it be so cool if that happened right now? Yeah. We'd have it on video, and the world would be like, whoa! What happened? But the reality is we don't know when it's going to happen, but we know it's going to happen. The scriptures teach us And I'd like to take time this morning just simply going through this because you may have people ask, well, you're this Christian and you believe that Jesus is coming back. You know, why do you believe that? And what are you guys going to be able to do? Let me show you. Open up the scriptures and share with them. So this morning, if you turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, this will be our key text for this morning. And there's a reason why we're doing this passage this morning, because something we find with the rapture is great hope. We're also told that we're not to ignore this teaching. Okay, I visited a lot of churches. No one spoke about the rapture while I was visiting. And it's one of the few things that the Bible actually tells us God has told us not to ignore. I know most denominations that we have around us here in the valley don't even believe in this. And again, it's something that God tells us what? Look at verse 13 with me, guys. It says, but I do not want you to be ignorant. So do not ignore this, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. So those who have what? Died. That's actually what he's talking about. Don't you guys love that they refer to Christians when they pass as not being dead? (laughs) They're alive. And I love how the Bible God has chosen 
to communicate that truth to us. No, they're just sleeping. There is an awakening coming. There is a resurrection. They're not really dead. So every time you see a saint in Scripture who has passed away, okay, they're alive. They're just asleep, okay? Look at this. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. You guys ever been to a hard funeral? Funerals are just hard. But then the ones that are really hard, it's just like, oh, especially when you know Jesus, it's just like, oh, man, I never saw any confession of faith in God and Christ. There was no fruit in their life. That's a hard one for us, especially as believers, because we know what the Bible teaches. We know that there is a judgment. We know there is hell. Okay? So we are not to sorrow as those who have no hope. He's telling these believers in Thessalonica, verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and that he rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Well, who are those? Those, who've already, those saints who've already died, who've already passed. They're going to come with Christ. Verse 15, for this we say to you, by the word of the Lord. So Paul's saying, hey, listen up. This is the word of the Lord. That we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who've fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. You need to know this morning your pastor's heart. I want you guys to be comforted in the word of God. Is the word of God always easy to receive? No. Is it truth? Yeah. Has God spoken these truths to us because he loves us? Absolutely. And there are going to be things that he wants us to pay attention to, to get, because he does love us. And he doesn't want us to walk around with no hope. He's laid this out for us. Hey, don't ignore this. I'm coming back. I want you to speak these words to one another. Comfort one another with these scriptures. And let me tell you what, guys, if you ever see me down, and you probably will see me down at times, you know, if you want to make your pastor happy, hey, bro, Lord could come back today. Because <laughs> let me tell you what, there are times, there are days, and even weeks where that reality has escaped my mind. We need to keep reminding each other, and that's what we're doing here this morning. So I do not want you to be ignorant of God's prophetic plan. Hey, do you guys know that a chunk of the Bible, about a third of the Bible when it was written, was predictive prophecy? If you're not into prophecy, you're not into the Word of God, because so much of it is prophetic. And God, again, here is laying out what? I have this prophetic plan. So we're supposed to have an understanding regarding these things, especially regarding end time things. And a few weeks from now, we're going to be doing a study, and it'll be a longer one, but we're going to go through what Jesus said uh, the world would be like, the conditions of the world in the last days. And if you haven't studied that out, your eyes are going to be wide open because there are things that are uniquely happening right now that the Bible talks about that has never, ever happened before in history.
So it's kind of fun. Do we know when Jesus is coming back? No one knows the day or the hour. But he told us to what? Discern the times and the seasons. And we're able to see a lot of those things that Jesus talked about coming to pass. So pretty exciting time to be alive, isn't it? I think it is. You know, Because if we were born 100 years ago, I'd be just like, no, it can't happen. <laughs> Why? Because Israel's not back in the land. Did you guys know that? Okay. Even Spurgeon wrote commentary on prophecy. He's like, hey, this, what we're talking about this morning, okay, the coming of the Lord, the second coming, it can't happen because Israel's not back in the land. So there are Bible teachers out there that were honest and true to the scriptures that were able to discern and say, hey, look, in order for these things to happen, this needs to be in place. But you guys know in 1948, not that long ago, what did God do? Exactly what he promised over and over and over again in scripture. Okay? Yeah, Israel was dispersed throughout the world and he brought them back together. And we're seeing so much from that point. Look at how much has happened in the world just in the last 60 years that previously has never happened before. It's pretty radical. Um, <clears throat> so the issue here in this letter, Paul had taught them about the Lord's return for his people. He taught them that Jesus, uh, really what Jesus taught, okay, that it could happen at any time. Okay? We don't know when, so be ready. So they were expectant. These believers taught from the Apostle Paul, Lord can come back at any time. They were looking you know, they were tripping because they thought they maybe missed it, okay? Did the Lord come? <laughs> we weren't on board. We didn't get to go. So that's why he had to write Second Thessalonians. Uh, but in those teachings, he wanted these guys to be ready. And here he's reaffirming in First Corinthians these teachings. They were expectant, but they were really confused because some of the saints, the Christians, the believers, started to pass away. They were beginning to die, and they're like, oh, now what? Did they miss the rapture? Are they not going to go <laughs> when the Lord comes? So this word, let's go back to this word sleep for a moment. Okay, It's a, a euphemism here. Um, you guys have heard in the scriptures that um, slept with his fathers. When a saint would die, they have gone. <laughs> and they're asleep with the patriarchs of the kings and such. Uh, one of the scriptures that I love in regards to this, you guys are familiar with the Gospel of John, I hope. We just spent over a year in it. Good. Uh, <laughs> chapter 11, verse 11 says, These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps. Okay, you remember Mary and Martha, Lazarus' brother? They were all weeping, mourning. Why? Because their brother had died. Well, what does Jesus say? No, he sleeps but I go that I may wake him up. So that's how Jesus was referring to that. We also see in Mark chapter 5, verse 39, when he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. You guys remember that story? The little girl brought her back to life. And again, our Lord and Savior, God himself says what? Sleeping. Our loved ones, who have gone before us, who have passed, if they're in Christ, they're asleep. And there is a day, which we're talking about here, <laughs> where they're, they're going to awaken. They're going to awaken to a resurrected body, which is exciting, which we'll get to in a little bit. I do want you guys to note here, this does not teach soul sleep. Okay, 
that the, slow, the soul is just unconscious between the death and the resurrection. There's some Christians that teach that. They'll use this text to say, hey, this is it. No, that's not what it's talking about at all. The reference is to what here? The body, okay? It's not the soul. To be absent from the body is what? To be present with the Lord. That's what the Bible teaches concerning that. So soul sleep, not biblical. As sleep is followed by an awakening, so death is followed by a resurrection. So the problem of bereavement, okay, being deprived of a loved one through death. Death is an enemy, right? No one can escape it. It's haunting us. Um, great hope here for us who are believers in Christ. Okay? There's a lot of people who don't have peace in this life because they're not at peace with their maker because they have not surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. But the second you put your faith in him, you receive that gift of eternal life, his spirit comes and what happens? There's just a peace. You can't explain it, but you're at peace with your maker. You know, you know no matter what shakes out in this life any longer, you know that all eternity is set. It's good. I don't know about you guys, but that's why I long to get there. You know? I love you guys. I love my family. But life's hard. <laughs> It's hard. We weren't meant for this. It's not the way God created things to be. But sin has had such an effect. We have blown it so bad, guys. And even in all that, even in our rebellion, God still loved us enough to come and die for us, to set things free, to give us the gift of eternal life. Will you receive that? If you do, you have a blessed hope. If you keep saying no to him, hell sucks. Read about it. Jesus talks about it a lot. It's not a place you want to be, especially for all time. So, the struggle is to bring our faith and our emotions together here, okay? Because there is that reality. You guys ever feel that way? It's like, I know the truth of the scriptures. This is what it says. This is what it says about God, who he is, his faithfulness. But I feel like this, <laughs> and this feeling ain't good. This really kind of sucks. This hurts. It's painful. I don't want to deal with anything right now. You know, that's one of those things, guys, in this life. We're going to have those feelings, those emotions to deal with regardless. It's just part of life. But praise God for his word for truth. Because isn't that what we're supposed to be grounded in? Okay? And we know he's faithful. And that's why it's so important that we're in his word. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And when you're in that word, his word, you're reminded of truth. Despite the feelings, you're able to come back and stand on that firm foundation. No, this is true. Even though I'm feeling this, I'm back here. And that's one of the blessings about this teaching of the rapture in the scriptures. Man, keep looking for Jesus, because we don't know. <laughs> he could be coming today at any time. So there's a bitter separation. And there's really the reality of separation from loved ones. But there's another one that we have to deal with. And it's the separation from God right now. Do you guys understand that? On the 21st, I'm going to be sharing with you guys one of, the, you know, one of my favorite teachings of all time. Because the kingdom of God is here, isn't it? But it's not completely here. And when we have an understanding of what the scriptures teach about the kingdom here, but not yet fully, it helps us discern what's going on. It also gives us hope and comfort. Because there's a lot of things, I don't know about you guys, I've been scratching my head so much, I'm losing all my hair. You know, Hillary, Donald, like, <laughs> it doesn't even make sense to me. Like, why are those only two? But we can get so caught up into the here and now and what's going on. Honestly, I don't care about politics. That's not why I've lost my hair. But 
talking to people, a lot of people are sweating over just elections, you know. But I step back and I look at the whole of everything going on everywhere, all over the world. We're becoming more and more rebellious against God. We think we have it so figured out. And the wisdom of this world, guys, is just foolishness. And why, why do we fight so hard against God in his ways? I don't know about you guys, but the separation, I can't wait to get home. I want to be with Jesus. And that's another separation that we as believers have to deal with every single day. And that's why I love the hope of the rapture. You know, because part of it, as Paul said, it's more needful for me to stay, right? For you guys. But man, to die, that's gain. You can't wait to get there to be with Jesus. I don't know if you guys live in that reality. I can't wait to go. I don't want to go because I love my wife. I love my kids. I know there's a need there. I love you guys. I hope my ministry and my, my service to you guys is beneficial. But I want to be with Jesus. And there's that separation that we feel every single day. But again, the teaching of the scriptures of his coming, man, we could be caught up right now with him. That's kind of exciting can't wait and hopefully for you guys who maybe do not believe or you haven't surrendered your life to christ if we're all gone one day show up here and we're just not here repent get on your knees get right with christ so there's this longing um there's a passage i love and a lot of you guys are familiar with this in romans chapter 8 verse 38 it says for i'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels or principalities or powers nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing. I know some Christians sweat it. Well, I don't know if I'm good enough to go if he does come. Read your Bibles. You're not saved because of your goodness. Okay? You're saved because of him, what he did on your behalf. And there's nothing that can separate us. Okay, I grew up in a church that taught the rapture. Um, and I didn't go to Sunday school. I hated Sunday school when I was a kid. I had a hard time reading. Uh, there wasn't really much of uh, a group my age there, so I felt very awkward <laughs> when we were asked to read the Bible in class, uh, which is kind of a bummer, and I don't want any kid to ever feel that way at church. Um, but I would go and sit with my mom in service with the adults. And I remember being a little guy hearing about this Antichrist and the end of the world and Armageddon happening and all this stuff. And I'm like, whoa, that's so awesome. God, I'll stay behind, okay? You don't have to take me in there. I'll stay behind and I'll fight for you. Well, as I grew and began to read the scriptures more and read about the tribulation and everything, more of an understanding, I'm like, oh no, Lord. Remember that prayer? I No, <laughs> I don't want to stay. <laughs> Please take, and I was really worried like God was going to honor that prayer. That was a fear I had. You know, and then there was just one day in the scriptures where the Lord reaffirmed, nope, <laughs> it's not on you. You're my kid. You have no decision. When I tell you you're coming home, you're coming home. Okay. So, the great uniting. There's two promises given in scriptures about this. The first mention of this we find in the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. This is Jesus speaking. And in my Father's house there are many 
mansions, okay? My kids just yesterday, they didn't know I was going to share on this verse today. They were talking about their mansions in heaven and how awesome they're going to be and how big. And Hey, little brother, I'll let you come over and visit maybe, you know? <laughs> right, Uriah? <laughs> but the thing that's really cool is my kids know that God is there preparing a place. They get that. And they know the place is going to be awesome and better than anything that's ever been made or built here. So Jesus is preparing this place. He's the creator of all things. Just think how cool this is going to be. <laughs> so if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. He's promised that. I will come again and I will receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. So that's been God's intention with his people all along, hasn't it? I think about Genesis, <laughs> the garden. What happened there in the garden? God walked with man. He was with man. In the cool of the day, Adam got to chill out with his maker. That's what the garden was intended for. But man made a very bad choice. And because of that choice, we're reaping the consequences today. Sin entered and separation came. And it would never quite be that way ever again. But God did other things that he could be with his people. You guys have read about the, the wanderings of the children of Israel and God told them to make what a tabernacle. Why? Because he wanted to be with his people. And then one day they built a temple where the Shekinah glory, the, the, the fullness of, of God, the glory filled the temple there. And he was with his people, but there was still the same issue. In order for someone to actually go and actually be in that presence of the Lord, man, you had to sanctify yourself super good, clean yourself up, take multiple baths, and have all the right sacrifices in place, even in order to go in to the presence of God. But that's been his heart. He still wants to be with us. And then we read phenomenal prophecies given. I love Isaiah 9, 6. Okay? The precious promise of God coming. Emmanuel, right? God with us. And that's what God did. He became a man <laughs> to be with us and to do what we couldn't do. There's a second part to this that we find. End of the book. Revelation 21, it tells us, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. And then I, John, saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, God himself will be with them and be their God. I don't know, well, guys, I cannot wait, <laughs> okay? But that's his heart. And this really is the thrust of this event of the rapture, is us being with our God. I can't wait. And thus, we're told in verse 17, we will always be with the Lord, okay? And it's cool. 
It's not a vacation out west to see family for a week. You know, it's actually, hey, once we're with him, we're always going to be with him. I think that is so awesome. So, we also get to be with what? Loved ones who've gone before us who've died in Christ. How many of you guys have someone that you loved, love, that has gone on before you that was a believer, like you know you're going to see him again face to face? How many of you guys have loved ones who've gone on before where you're not really sure? Yeah, isn't that hard? You know, I know our, <laughs> our God is gracious. He is big. I know our salvation isn't dependent upon us, you know? And I think we're going to see people there <laughs> that we don't expect one day, like, hey, how'd you get here? <laughs> you know? I know you. But at some point in their life, and maybe it was on their deathbed, they finally put their faith in Christ and said, Father, forgive me, please. Forgive me. I believe what you did, your sacrifice. I believe in it. I trust in it. You know, because it's not based upon our works, is it? It's upon him. And then there's going to be some really good people, religious people. Where are they? You know, where's pastor? <laughs> oh, no. But that's the truth that the Bible speaks about, isn't it? There are going to be many in that day that say, Lord, Lord, look at all the things we did. Look at the demons we cast out in your name. Look at these buildings we built. Look at all these wonders we did and miracles. Look at all this stuff. And Jesus is going to say to them, what? Depart from me. I never knew you. So the Bible says there are going to be people who are very religious that aren't going to be there. And why? Because they're religious. They're trusting in their own works, their own goodness to get there. That's not what the Bible teaches, guys. It's his goodness. Amen? So... The question is one of timing. So there's two ways to sort of go about this, okay? Is the rapture a part of the second coming of Christ or is it a separate event, okay? Well, there are not two comings of Christ. Bible doesn't teach it. The second coming is a movement. I want you guys to catch this. It is a movement of Christ to earth. In the rapture, this event that we're talking about, reading about here in 1 Thessalonians, it is a movement of Christians to heaven. So, this word caught up, you can underline it in your Bible, okay? When he calls us or catches us up, caught up, in the Greek it's harpazo. It's literally to snatch up or to seize, to carry by force. That's what he's going to do with us as believers, okay? It's not going to be like, oh no, I'm not going, I'm hanging out. No. He's going to force us. We're going to be taken up. Um, the Latin from the Greek put it as raptoro or rapto, where we get the English word rapture. Because you're going to have people say to you, you really believe in the rapture? That's not even in the Bible. Well, it is in the Bible. <laughs> This is how we got the word rapture. It's not the Greek word. It's the Latin word of it. But it's this little word that we find here, caught up. Okay? So we're going to meet the Lord where? In the clouds. We meet the Lord in the air, we're told. He doesn't come here and get us. He's literally going to pull us up to him. And you guys, yeah, anyways, that's a whole other thing that we could talk about for a while. We're not going to do it. Um, there is an open debate. Okay, is this going to happen before the tribulation? 
which the Bible talks a lot about. Okay? It's another thing we're told not to ignore in Scripture. And a lot of churches don't want to talk about it, but it's going to happen. So there's a tribulation okay, that's going to take place. So is it going to happen before that tribulation, or is it going to happen at the end of the tribulation? It's an open debate. I love talking about it. Um, but here's what I think. And I think it's predestination. And let me share with you guys why I think it's going to happen before the Great Tribulation, which Revelation chapter 6 to 19 talks about. First passage I want to share with you guys is Revelation chapter 6. Um, verse 16 says this. And he said to the mountains and the rocks, or they said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him, speaking of Jesus, who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb for the great, <laughs> the great day of his wrath has come, who is able to stand. So instead of people repenting and turning to Christ for salvation, they're continuing to want to fight against him, to reject him, and they're crying out to the mountains, to the rocks, cover us, rather than the rock of ages, saying, hey, save me, no, hide me from the wrath of the Lamb. Who can bear it? So the tribulation is God's wrath being poured out upon planet Earth. Judgment is coming. In that, people still have an opportunity to turn, but many of them are going to be like this right here. We just don't want nothing to do with this wrath. We just want it to get out of it. Well, we also see what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9. He says, For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we ought to, or we had to you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living in the true God. So people are going to save there in Thessalonica. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from what? The wrath to come. Now you can go and study Thessalonians on yourself. He's talking end time stuff. He's talking about the judgment, the tribulation that's going to come. And he states here plainly that these believers are what? Delivered from the wrath to come, from the tribulation. We also see in chapter 5, verse 9, for God did not appoint us to wrath, okay? We're not appointed to it. If the tribulation is God's wrath, it wouldn't make any sense. Because he says what? We're not appointed to wrath, but we obtain salvation through Jesus our Lord. So Jesus took the wrath of God for us, for Christians. That's what the Bible teaches. We read in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there's no condemnation then to those who are in Christ Jesus. We can't be condemned if we are believers in Jesus Christ. We can't be. We can condemn ourselves. Aren't we good at that? Oh, I suck. I blew it again. I can't believe I sinned. The Bible said you're going to sin. Deal with it, repent, and move on. God doesn't condemn you. If you're in him, you're forgiven. Stop beating up what he died for. Stop beating up what he loves. We also read first, or 2 Corinthians 5.21. I love this scripture. It says, For he, speaking of Jesus, made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Is understand his righteousness has been imputed to us who are believers. I love it. And because of that, we will not partake in this wrath of God. 
So it doesn't make any sense that we would experience God, God's wrath according to the scriptures. Some people, I have a hard time because there's a lot of people that believe this event in Thessalonians is actually the second coming of Christ in timing. That's at the end of the tribulation, right? When we're in Revelation. It's at the end. But the church is never ever mentioned during the tribulation. The church is mentioned a bunch in the first three chapters of Revelation. But in chapter 6, when the tribulation starts, what happened in chapters 4 and 5? I don't know. The church is there worshiping the Lord. Where? In heaven. Somehow they got there. Could it have been the rapture? And then why are they not mentioned at all during the tribulation? Chapter 16 and 19, they show up after that. Nowhere in God's word is the church present during the tribulation. So can we trust what the scriptures say here in Thessalonians? It makes sense to me. We're not appointed to wrath. God was serious. He did save us. We are not under judgment any longer. You guys understand how great of a gift he's given to us? We deserve it. I don't know if you guys feel like I do, but I feel like I should go through the tribulation. Like, <laughs> I'm so glad he loves me. And gave, you know, <laughs> it's going to take me home. So there's another scripture that comes to mind often when I think about it in, Re- or in Genesis. <clears throat> I just remember the conversation Abraham was having over Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, far be it from you that you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so the righteous should be as the wicked. And far it be from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. Okay? He's not going to do that. If Jesus took the wrath of God upon himself, he already paid our debt. There's no, that wouldn't be just for God to do that to us also. So, there's more. There's more. Uh, back to 1 Thessalonians. But I do not want you to be ignorant. Don't ignore Verse 15, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of an archangel with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then verse 17 tells us, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus we shall always be with him. So this, the doctrine of imminence, it's going to happen, guys. It's going to happen. It's not wishful thinking. This hope we have in the rapture is not like, oh, I hope God was serious about this. You know? No, he's going to do it. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but he fulfills his word. Okay? He's faithful to fulfill his word. He's going to do it. So let's now leave when this is all going to happen behind uh, for now, and let's concentrate on what. Okay, we already have the why of the rapture, but exactly what? Well, let's look at some of the glorious details that this text that Paul lays before us. uh, We'll try to connect his intent in writing this. Okay, first of all, the intent of the text here is that believers be what comforted comforted by the reality of the rapture. Um, the glorious truth of the resurrection. I can't wait. So concerning their Christian loved ones who have gone before them, that's specifically what the Thessalonians were tripping out about. Like, hey, we got believers who've died. What's going to happen to them? 
Also, people in Paul's time and others have no way uh, to comfort one another because of having nothing solid to hope in. There's a lot of people who are hopeless. Um, I did three funerals just a couple weeks before I went on sabbatical. You know, that was kind of like a lot for me in a short time, you know. And uh, a couple of them, it's just like, where is this person? We don't know for sure. Like, if I had to guess, I didn't know them personally. But from what I was told, the choices they made, you know, there was no real, you know, um, account of them ever putting their faith in Christ personally. You just don't know. Where are they? And those funerals, guys, are really hard. I love doing them because I get to share the gospel. <laughs> you know, and people hear the truth, the good news. But in order for there to be good news, there's bad news. And the bad news is there are people who reject Jesus Christ. I fully believe that God died for the sins of the world. That anyone who puts their faith in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That is the gospel. God's asked us to go and share that, make disciples of all people. We need to be sharing, guys. But the problem is people still reject it. How many of you guys have loved ones, even close family members you've shared with multiple times and the heart is just still hard? Yeah, don't give up. Because you might have that staunch atheist grandfather, <laughs> you know? You don't know. You don't know. You keep praying for them. Why? Because you know you're God. You know that God loves them and died for them. Keep praying. We don't lose hope. Um, yeah. Funerals are never, never an easy thing. Um, I, want, I want to lay out, if I would pass before Jesus comes, uh, Timothy Bachleitner is going to do my funeral. Um, <laughs> and we're going to have a party, okay? <laughs> Celebration. And part of it is believers, guys, we do need to celebrate. You know, we do grieve the loss. We hurt. There's a lot of pain. But when we know there's a brother or a sister in Jesus Christ who's gone home, there needs to be a mix there. We still grieve. But man, they're there, and I get to see them again really soon because this life, it is but a vapor. It is, guys. Time goes quick, especially in light of all eternity, and we get to be with them again. We look so forward to that. And I don't know if you guys dream about that, but I really believe in the rapture because I really believe in it. And I really believe that Jesus died for my sins and I've been forgiven and I get to spend eternity with him. I think about all the others who've believed on him throughout creation, throughout all time. You know, and I get to meet them and hear their story. How did you come to faith? How did that work out? And won't that be fun making all those connections? in heaven for all time. And there are so many of them, guys. Just think about our own little web here in life in this little slice of history, how many connections there are. On my sabbatical, I bumped into a bunch of people. Some of them knew you guys. And it was just like, wow, talk about a small world. Even out of state, how does that work? You know, There's just connections, and it's going to be so cool when we get to be in heaven and see all the big connections. So it is right. I want you guys to catch this. It is right for Christians to grieve, but our grief must be in the context of hope of the resurrection. In the midst of our grief, we have 
hope. And that's why Christian funerals are the coolest funerals to go to. Because <laughs> there is that reality. There is that celebration. There is that hope in it. So if Jesus wept, we can weep too. I'm not saying we don't grieve. We definitely grieve for loved ones that we've lost. Jesus did so knowing that he would resurrect Lazarus, but he still wept. So it was not hopeless grief. You see, hope always equals a joyful and confident expectation in the gospel. Always. No matter what you're facing in life, no matter how hard things get, we as believers always have that hope and that joy. And that is the truth. No matter what life throws us, no matter how bad it gets, we're going to heaven, guys. Okay? We're going for all time. And I think about a brother like Paul thrown in prison and writing epistles. Really? You're still upbeat? You're still stoked? Because you get to share with a bunch of jailers? You know? Really? Yeah. Because he got that eternal picture. Okay? He got the truth. So, what is the basis of our hope? Well, it is the resurrection. It's contingent upon the promise of the resurrection. I want us to turn in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. And we'll jump down to verse 12 together. You guys are a little unsure of what the gospel is? Read the first few verses of 1 Corinthians 15. That lays out the gospel very clearly that Jesus came, that he laid down his life, that he rose from the dead. And he did this all what? According to the scriptures. You guys know that? In God's word, the Old Testament over and over again prophesied about God becoming a man and what he was going to do in order to save us, in order to make this new covenant. It's beautiful. Look at verse 12 with me here. Now, if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some of you among you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. If Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God. Because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if, in fact, the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen for faith, or your faith, then it's futile. And you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep, again, those believers who have passed before us, those who have fallen asleep in Christ, have perished. And if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead, and he has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, and by or by man also came the resurrection of the dead, speaking of Jesus. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Now I want you to jump down a bunch of verses to verse 50. 
Paul concludes here and he says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruption must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immorality. So when the corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And O oh, death, where is your sting? And O oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So guys, this is the same event that we have in view in 1 Thessalonians 4 here. Big time drama, isn't it? The Lord will descend. There's going to be a shout of an archangel, this trumpet of God. The dead in Christ are going to rise here. So where have the dead been? Well, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. They've been with the Lord. So now they receive their glorified bodies. That's 1 Corinthians 15. And so do we, right? Verses 51 to 53 here. Okay, I'm looking forward to a whole head of hair again. I cannot wait for my new body. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, all you bald guys are grinning. <laughs> awesome. Anyways, um, we could start a ministry to bald people right there. Anyways, um, how does this text help us? How does it help us? Well, we're to do what? Comfort one another with these words. That's how this text helps us. Is it important for you to know this? Great, my pastor knows about the rapture. You should go talk to him. No! <laughs> you guys are to know the scriptures. You need to know this. Why? Because you can comfort other people. And isn't that what God's asked us to do? Okay, we are salt and light. We have good news to share with people. We have the hope of Jesus Christ coming for his bride to share with the world. So we get to what? With these words, we get to exhort and we get to encourage. So these words are meant to bring hope and comfort and they're so encouraging to us to press on, to stay the course. So faithful uh, in bereavement and on other hard times, Guys, death's not the final word. Do you understand that, saint? Believer in Jesus, that's not the final word. We need to prepare for death, okay? You're going to pass. Loved ones will be left behind. I'm gonna fall asleep one day, unless Jesus comes back right now. <laughs> you guys understand, death does not have the final word. So the encouragement we find, guys, how does this help? Well, one, with the comfort. Also, guys, 
the encouragement that we find in First Corinthians here, uh, chapter 15, verse 58, told us to do what? Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast. Okay? Be steadfast in the faith. Do some of you guys waver in your faith? Are you hot today, cold tomorrow, back and forth? Man, let me exhort you today. Let me encourage you in the word of God to stay the course, stay steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Is there always something to be doing? You betcha. Okay? God, like, how, how cool would it be cool? Like, ugh, cool, cool. It's just cool. If the second we believed, we repented, turned to Jesus Christ, we got raptured. Like that second. Wouldn't it be cool? I believe. Woohoo! I'm in glory. You know, skip all that sanctification mess. Just get me there. It'd be great, right? But God's left us here with a mission, hasn't he? Okay? We are called to be about his business. And I encourage you, Saint, this life isn't about your retirement fund. It isn't about your career. It isn't about your house. It isn't about how nice a car you're driving. It's about him. And are you giving yourself to what he has called you to? What has he called me to, Pastor? Love your neighbor. Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Be a part of the local church. Use your gifts. Serve one another as I've served you. It's pretty simple. We just get to love people. <laughs> That's it. Love well. Why? Because knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You might be the hardest working person on planet Earth, but what are you working for? I hope it's treasure for heaven. <laughs> I hope it's eternal things and not self-centered things. And then there's the exhortation that's given, and we'll wrap up with this thought this morning. In 1 John, I'm hoping you guys are jotting down these verses. That's why I put them up all on here today, is because I want you guys to be able to share this with others. If not, this will be recorded. You can go watch it later and write it all down. <laughs> but anyways, 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 28 says, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, okay, when is Jesus going to appear, guys? When he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. So John's telling us we should be ready. We should be ready. Are you ready? Are you good if he appears right now, or do you feel like you have unsettled business? Or you're not ready? I'm ready to go. Take me, Lord, right now. I don't care. I don't feel like I have any strings loose. We need to be ready. Look at chapter 3. I'm sure the first few verses, these are my wife's favorite verses in the Bible. And Why? <laughs> because of this blessed hope. Look at, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. That we should be called children of God. Think on that. Chew on that. And he says, because of this truth, therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Doesn't the world think we're a little weird? A little different? Well, of course, they don't know God. You know, we wouldn't be, really? It's the weekend. You're getting up to do what? To go worship with other people? To study? You're going to sit for an hour at church and just listen to a guy teach the Bible, really? You know, they don't get it. They don't understand it. Why? Because they don't know him. Once you know him, it makes sense. So check this out in verse 2. It says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know 
that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for he shall see him as he is. Has Christ been glorified? Absolutely. And when he comes back, when we see him, we're going to be caught up and we're going to be what? As he is, okay, in our glorified bodies. And everyone who has this hope does what? Purifies himself just as he is pure. If you're looking for the coming of Jesus Christ, are you going to be finding yourself in some sin, habitual sin? You'll be on the computer looking at things you shouldn't be looking at. You'll be talking to your spouse that way. You'll be judging your neighbor, your coworker in that way. No, if I'm looking for the coming of Jesus Christ, what is it going to do, guys? It's going to purify you. Part of what God wants us to do is look for his coming. That is key for the believer. Another scripture you can write down is Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Okay, the grace of God has appeared to who? All men. And why? What does it do? It teaches us how we ought to live right now, soberly, righteously. Okay? It's a key. And that key is in what? Looking for him. Looking unto him, it tells us there in Titus 2. As we look to him, that's where we learn how to walk rightly, to live rightly. We've got to look for Jesus Christ. So, what does these passages do, guys? Comfort concerning the dead in Christ. Encouragement in the work of Jesus. Purpose given to our purity before Christ. So what do you need today? You need to look to Jesus Christ. Be looking for him. Brothers and sisters, I hope you're encouraged today. I hope you find comfort in his word today. I hope you're reminded tomorrow. Back to it. The grind of Monday. <laughs> you know? Hey, look to Jesus. You see, I believe, guys, that's what we need. Looking for his coming, that great reunion. Because repeating these truths, they bring assurance and hope to our hearts. Something we do at Freedom Fellowship every single week is partaking communion together. Well, why would you do that every week? I understand communion is important, but why would you do that every week? Well, I'm glad you asked. It says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim what? The Lord's death till what? He comes. We're proclaiming something when we take communion. A lot of churches take communion and don't even believe in the Lord's coming. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> God said when we're taking communion, we're, we're actually communicating something. We're proclaiming something. We're proclaiming his death, his resurrection, till when? Till he comes. And when he comes, guys, I can't wait. Have you guys read about the marriage supper of the Lamb? Oh, that's going to be one righteous meal. <laughs> But until he comes, guys, what do we do? We get to partake together in this common faith, this common belief that we have. That's why we partake in communion. We're proclaiming that, yeah, Jesus is our Savior. He died and he rose again, and he's coming back to get us. That's tied in to the Lord's table every single week we get to partake together. So I want you guys to be mindful of that when we take communion together every week. Yeah, the Lord's coming, the rapture 
could happen at any time. So what we're going to do in our closing uh, moments together this morning is partake together of communion. I'm going to have a few of the guys pass out the elements. Um, I'm going to have the worship team come back up. We're going to close with a hymn. Is that what we're doing? A song. A song. Awesome. And uh, yeah, I want you guys to hold on to the cup and to the bread until everybody has it. At the end of the song, I'll get up and we will partake together. So that's what we'll do now. We're very, very thankful for uh, all that you've done for us, God. Um, really taking our place upon the cross, being that perfect sacrifice. And uh, we know you've told us in your word that you died once and for all. God, we're not literally taking your body and your blood here. You told us to do this in remembrance, God. And this is something that we, as your kids, um, we are so mindful of. Lord, without that great act of love, God, you laying down your life upon the cross, uh, there is no hope. We're so thankful that you loved us so much that you're willing to do that, God. We thank you for that this morning, and we do want to proclaim um, that faith, Lord, that hope that we have uh, in you and your sacrifice and that you overcame death, hell, and sin and rose again and, and you're coming back, Lord, um, to get us. We look forward to that day. I, I pray that it would become a, a part of our, our daily cry, Lord, prayer to you uh, for your coming, that you would come quickly. We so look forward to that day. Uh, but until then, Lord, um, we're going to keep looking to you. We're going to be keeping the faith. Amen.